Hi. Hey there. Welcome back. Welcome to Amy's Endless Watchlist. Uh, this is the podcast where I, you know, Amy, your host, try to watch one film a week from my many, many watch lists on Amazon Prime and Netflix and try to basically just get, I'm just basically trying to get through as many movies as possible. Hopefully week by week, I will end up doing that. Although at the rate I'm adding movies to my watch lists, I feel like it's going to be a while. <laughs> uh, so yeah, welcome back. Welcome to episode two, guys. How you doing? So yeah, so obviously uh, last week was the intro to this podcast. Welcome back. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to hit the ground running. So obviously I'm just going to review the film that I've watched this week. Um, let you know what I liked about it. Uh, and then we'll move on to, you know... Uh, you know, a movie or a film that it's kind of reminded me of um, and, and maybe recommend. And then finally, we're going to go into cinema moments uh, or theatre moments or memories. I don't know. I mean, that is still up for debate in terms of what we're going to call that last segment of the show. Uh, so once I get the blog up and running, we'll actually start a vote and we'll see what we're going to call this last segment of the show. So, yeah, I will let you know when the blog goes up and you guys can vote. Let's do this. So this week I'm recording on a lovely chilled Sunday evening. Uh, I was hoping to do it on a Friday, but that kind of got away from me. So it's actually been quite a nice chilled day. I'm not going to lie. So it it was nice enough so that I could just kind of actually thoroughly enjoy this movie. And not only that, but do some research on it a little bit more, which was so good and so interesting to discover some things. So without further ado, the film I've chosen this week is The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is 2012. And it is a book originally, so it's an adaptation, this film. And adaptations, I feel, uh, any type of adaptations, they kind of come with this extra responsibility and... Uh, I suppose expectation because you've got already got an audience there I mean the films coming out based on comic books and films at the moment anyway are hoping that by having an audience already there from the books or the comics or wherever it may be they hope by just having that alone they'll make their money back but what I love about this film is it really seems that it was made by people who really care um and 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 it does come across on the screen and it's so powerful. I, I really, I can't, I mean, I'm going to anyway, like praise this movie a lot, but I'm serious guys like this, this movie blew me away. I was really thrilled with it. I'm sorry if my throat goes <clears throat> in a little bit because I don't know why it's a little bit, whew, it's a little bit going at the moment. But anyway, the perks of being a wallflower was actually directed um, it was written and directed by Stephen Chbosky, who is actually, this is the weird part, who is actually the original author of the book that was released in 1999. That in itself is just so goddamn rare. Like, that's incredible. Like, you know, you've got the person who wrote it and visualized it years ago making the movie. I mean, that in itself is just so goddamn good. And it shows, it really shows. And I think that's why you can tell that this film is really made with so much care, so much care and so much love. 
So basically, I'll give you a quick overview. I don't want to do spoilers too much in this podcast because I don't know about anybody, you know, out there listening, but I'm not a fan of hearing spoilers. Like, when I go watch a film in the cinema, I'm not really keen on knowing too much about it. Like, the trailer should have been enough to get me parked in the seat, so to speak, like, in the actual theatre. So it really, like... I can't stand spoilers. So I just, I'm not going to try too much to spoil things for people because the whole point is that I review this film and hopefully you kind of like what I'm hearing or what I'm discussing enough to give it a try yourself. And of course, I don't want to ruin your experience. Like, why would I do that? Like, that's not cool. So, so yeah, so I'm going to give you a brief overview, but I'm gonna, when I talk about certain things, I'm going to try not too much to give away details because... I just don't think that's fair, to be honest. So basically, the the book and the film <clears throat> is about Charlie, this kind of uh, freshman who is going to start high school. And he's a bit of an introvert, a bit quiet. Um, he's very sensitive. And you kind of discover why, as the book and the film goes along, And it's basically to do with this whole thing of he's suffered, I mean, his family has suffered, uh, you know, a a kind of loss. And that's uh, kind of all, I suppose, how can I put that? It's all kind of implied. It's not really given away till later on uh, exactly what happened. But like, uh, you know, the whole other part of that as well is he's going into high school really with no friends because... Unfortunately, his best friend took his life and, you know, and he's still in that way as well, dealing with that loss. So that's what he's dealing with. And it's basically his journey in the first year of high school and kind of, you know, the ups and downs of being a teenager, but also the kind of horrible hierarchy and stereotypes of uh, set upon you know, high school or school in general, really, and how he navigates that and eventually makes some friends who kind of see in him something special and they really kind of encourage him to, you know, be creative and speak his mind and, you know, be in the moment as well, which is important. He's he's kind of this, you know, like the uh, title implies, you know, he's he's this wallflower. He kind of stays in the background and isn't very much noticed but they kind of try and bring him forward and I think that's that's the main kind of overall of the film I won't give away too much uh for the rest but yeah it's a very it's 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 I mean obviously it's a it's a teenage film I hate saying that that's a really horrible kind of genre of film but what makes this film very un-teenagery, I suppose, if that's, that's not even a word, but I'm just, I'm going with it, guys, is the fact that it deals with the teenage experience or the adolescent experience, but in such a grounded way, with sometimes really great humour, sometimes really poignant moments, and it's incredibly witty, but also incredibly touching. It's so good, so good. So on that note, I would just like to put out there that this is not your typical, you know, teenage coming of age film. It's very much, it feels in many levels, very adult, 
because in a way it's like that kind of thing of well we all don't know what we're doing really we're just kind of all bumbling along and and I think as a teenager you feel that more than ever and you really you know you get chucked into these situations whether it's high school or secondary school in the UK wherever it may be or college you know it's that feeling of what you know finding your footing and who you are as a person and that's that is something that's so universal it transcends so many different things and it's and it's and then this movie is brilliantly done it's so good um so yeah so it, and and what's interesting about this film and obviously it's an adaptation i don't think we've mentioned about this kind of stuff before but i mean adaptations are obviously hard to do and um, you you know you've already got those expectations and responsibilities there to please an audience that's already read the book and i was one of them i think i had this film on my on my watch list on on netflix for like oh god it must have been like a year and a half maybe two that's really really bad guys but like i was like a lot of people it's really hard to read something absolutely fall in love with these characters and their journeys and then it's really hard to watch what somebody else has done with it and put it on a screen and it's just sometimes it's what you expect and sometimes it's completely wrong and whether that was with the best intentions or not it can ruin kind of the whole the whole thing really which is which is really sad to say but I must admit for an adaptation I think this film wins it's directed and written by the same guy the same author of the actual book it's made with incredible love i think the cast oh my god guys like just watch it for the cast the cast is incredible i mean logan lerman as charlie completely captures his his innocence his his awkwardness his kind of inner turmoil just bubbling underneath the surface you can just you can just tell there's something really deep happening underneath there Ezra Miller who plays Patrick is just brilliantly you know loud and flamboyant and just so pushing against the grind he just knows that high school is not the be and end all he knows that these stereotypes that everybody you know and these places that everybody's been put in he this you know as a character he's very much aware of the fact that that's temporary I think or or that it doesn't really matter once you get out of it um and so he plays it with brilliant wit I feel but also he in 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 the in the kind of uh, kind of more tender moments he's also he he reveals his character's vulnerability in brilliant ways and I think that's that's definitely a wonderful thing that he adds to the character Emma Watson I mean obviously she's got the whole I suppose, no, I don't want to say baggage, but she does, I suppose, because of Harry Potter. It's going to be, it's like with all of the actors from Harry Potter, you know, uh, Daniel Radcliffe and uh, Rupert Grint, it's very hard to not picture them in those iconic roles from Harry Potter. But I must admit, Emma Watson, she, first of all, she nailed the accent. So it's not the prim you know um Hermione Granger that we're hearing so uh, obviously that's not really I was really hoping that that would come through because obviously she went to you know I think she believed I 
was it she went she went to study i think the you know emma watson herself went abroad to the u.s to actually study for university so i'm kind of glad that in a way that she did that because i'm i'm assuming she's used that experience to kind of help her uh in this role in some way maybe i don't know i'm just inferring here but it was really really nice to see this different side of emma watson like she's not the prim proper Hermione Granger in this one which is really really refreshing and though sometimes it's hard because you're watching her and all you're thinking is Hermione Granger it's really actually nice to see her like like pushing like her limits and actually going and doing something different and even though it's I suppose it's not entirely different because it's set in a high school is it but she really you know I think she does pull uh, a lot of weight here like she's got some brilliant performances with uh, Logan Lerman and I think I think she really did actually test herself in this movie and that was really nice to see it was so refreshing to watch from her but there's so many other people in here there's you know Paul Rudd uh, Wait, Mae Whitman uh, Dylan McDermott uh, Kate Walsh uh, there's so many people in this in this film like a brilliant cast all around I'd highly recommend it just for that and yeah it was so much fun to kind of watch you know watch them all interact i think in particular the main friends uh charlie patrick and sam which are logan ezra and emma they had such a great chemistry and that is something that you can't really i don't think you can fake chemistry that much but they just had a really good ease with with each other and and i think that came across i came across the screen really really well and I, i'm thankful for that because obviously in the book it's obviously you know, these friendships that Charlie's made with these, with these seniors, uh, you know, it's, they're really important. And, you know, it's, it just makes me think to myself, like, oh, thank God they got the casting right, because I, I, I I don't think I'd recast any of them. And, and that is a brilliant, is a a brilliant thing. I'm just so glad, (laughs) so glad that they got that right. Um, so yeah, I mean, just to touch on a few things, I mean, this film, much like the book, I mean, it touches on many subjects and many kind of, I suppose, themes, but uh, so, I mean, obviously it's a coming of age story and, and teenage years and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, for the main character, it's, you know, it's about kind of friendships, trying to form them, the awkwardness of them, and, uh, you know, first loves, first crushes, first relationships, they're not always... Uh, they're not always the best or they're not all that you know not always smooth sailing let's say so uh, that was funny and then of course with all the other you know high school or you know secondary school kind of stuff that you get you know your coming of age story is often filled with stuff like you know sexuality and you know trying to find yourself uh, you know your own sense of self Uh, but in this movie they also touched on some well they you know some very difficult subjects, you know, like homophobia and, um, you know, abuse, uh, you know, I won't give away too much, but like, you know, physical abuse, but also mental abuse. Um, and that's quite interesting. I, you know, that's, that's incredibly hard to do, uh, in a way that doesn't come off as, I suppose, I think, like I said, it's, it's not that, it's, it's not a typical teenage movie where, 
you know it's like you get some teenage movies where they're kind of all glossy and slick and they make everything look like a kind of pop video or like an MTV style video and everything's awesome and you know they're all smoking pot and and having having a good time at a party and it looks like too good to be true and they're wearing clothes that you would never be able to afford in real life let's be honest and they're driving cars that you would never be able to drive in real life let's be honest so it just it really makes me like so grateful that this film was made with such I suppose like reality I suppose just kind of realness and uh and it's just relatable because of that I think you know you it's it's not glossy and it's not it's not about glamorizing anything and it's not about uh you know overstating or continuously applying the stereotypes in fact in many ways I feel like it's actually trying to challenge them a little bit I mean the film is set in the 90s and there's many things to love like (laughs) I'm gonna out myself now aren't I I was so I turned 30 this year so that means you know I'm a child mostly of the 90s like you know I my main childhood was the 90s but I actually didn't go to secondary school until the the noughties which sounds that sounds a stupid thing to name like a type of year but basically in 2000 that's when I went to school high school or secondary school whatever you want to call it and it just makes me yeah like seeing stuff in this movie like um like cassette tapes like it just takes me back and it kind of makes me a bit nostalgic but what I like is that it's done with such kind of realism and everydayness that it doesn't come across as too nostalgic in the film because you know depending on how you make the movie you could have done it in a glossy way but you also could have done it in a way that was like oh remember the 90s like you could have done it in such a ridiculously nostalgic way but I feel that this film walks an incredibly fine line it just doesn't do that it doesn't fall into any of those traps and that's why it's just blown my mind a little bit I feel like it's captured something it's not it's not trying to recapture it's captured something and that's the difference it's so good so good uh so yeah other things obviously that it talks about in the film is obviously like you know the idea of feeling lost I don't know if any of you guys have been through that but I mean at school it can be a bit of a terrifying time (laughs) uh other things that happen obviously like um it talks about school pressures uh, mental health therapy I mean obviously drugs and alcohol and parties do come up um, other things that come up though obviously the uh, things that I've already mentioned about you know the general brief overall of the movie is it talks about um, you know death uh, in a couple of different forms and grief in those kind of ways so uh, grief and kind of guilt and and it's an interesting mix considering it's supposed to be I don't want to say this again but it's a teenage film but I I do think it's a teenage film with an adult flavor and it's incredibly brilliant because it's kind of instead of instead of instead of I suppose I can't think of the words very well uh, instead of I suppose just you know force feeding this kind of glossy ridiculousness of teenage life into teenagers it's actually kind of I, being very mature and just talking to teenagers on an, uh, on their level but also on an adult level in the sense of I'm not gonna talk down at you I'm just gonna you know let's just discuss it how it is or how you feel or 
what you think and and that's how it comes across in the movie about all these different subjects and that's very good because it's not catering to anybody in particular it's just actually trying to be real and trying to be you know grounded and, uh, and it works works so well um so yeah I mean for those many different things I mean it I mean it covers a lot and the book in itself is where this you know material comes from and I highly recommend the book if you're a bookworm and you've not read The Perks of Being a Wallflower it basically is capturing I mean it captures this awkward time in your life when you're an adolescent and you have no bloody clue what you're doing how you're doing it what friends you have why you have them it's and, and and how you're just getting from day to day like at the beginning of the movie poor Charlie he's already counted how many days it is until he leaves high school and it's over a thousand like it's ridiculous amount of days and he's already started counting I mean that's how badly he's kind of like oh god I need to get through this and I think what's really great about the film is whether it's Charlie and his awkwardness and his and his sensitivity and his trauma and his you know guilt and stuff like that whether it's his character or whether it's you know Patrick Ezra's character you know who has many different things going on and Emma's character as well like they're all on the different paths Ezra's character is obviously he's he's gay but unfortunately he can't really date the person that he wants to date and it kind of causes an awful lot of uh you know upset and kind of trauma for him as well Uh, and meanwhile you have Emma's character who she you know doesn't basically isn't picking people to be relationships who actually treat her nice and she even recognizes that you know near the end of the film like she doesn't you know why does you know she's dated guys that treat her like crap why does she do that and it's it's brilliant because I think having all these many different characters who are so close and so beautifully written on the page but also done on the screen I feel like no matter whether you went to high school or secondary school and you enjoyed it or you hated it couldn't wait for it to leave you know you couldn't wait to leave or you just you know dreaded each day whatever it may be I feel like the reason this film works on so many levels is because you can relate so much to something in this film like you can relate to a character you can relate to a situation you can relate to a subject matter that they're dealing with it's all there like everything you could possibly have doubts worries fears you know waking you up in the middle of the night but also all the other stuff like you know making friends and you know first crushes and first loves and first relationships and uh uh, and you know parties you know where you knew you were going to get in trouble or you know stuff like that but also you know it's just that kind of thing of it's just so relatable there's so much stuff in this movie that you can find something I think uh, you can find something to really love and enjoy uh, so yeah I mean other stuff to mention about this film I mean obviously I've mentioned the brilliant cast I think it's a brilliant adaptation the subject matters are so varied like you know you're gonna find something of interest that's for sure Uh, But the other thing as well is I actually really like the use of colour in this movie. Like, it wasn't until I got to the end of the film, I suppose, but I was realising that the main character, Charlie, uh, played by Logan, is not very often is he in 
like proper vivid colors he's often in kind of dull or gray or pale kind of colors uh khaki colors or you know kind of yeah he's just he's just often put in these very different kind of i suppose are they pastel pastel colors and stuff like that uh but they're mostly greys, browns, and you know blacks. And then near the end of the movie, he's more in his kind of you know in a distinguished kind of suit, um, which will be explained in the movie. But basically, he's in a more just kind of suit kind of situation where he's more defined in black and white. And meanwhile, all his friends and all those other characters around him tend to be in more kind of pure colour so a lot of the girls are wearing reds or blacks or something like that so very you know not I I don't want to say eye-catching I mean the reds are eye-catching I think Emma wears a red one uh Mae Whitman she wears a red dress as well um yeah and I think also as Ezra Miller he wears like a red shirt as well like one of the scenes so it's like it's very interesting to me how they've used colour in this film but also the way that they've shot the film the saturation of the colour is quite beautiful in the sense of it doesn't, the colours don't pop out at you in like, in that kind of, like I said, I suppose earlier, like that MTV, you know, music video kind of way. They don't kind of snap and pop at you. They're, they're very kind of just, just kind of less saturated, just kind of uh, filtered a little bit. And it's, and I feel like that's kind of beautifully done because in a way it makes it feel definitely less poppy and less, you know, glamorized. And then therefore, in a way, it translates the film to being more realistic. And it's and I feel the use of that is so beautiful. And I didn't really it wasn't until the film was kind of coming to an end. I really started to realize I was like, actually, I really like the look of this film in terms of how they've you know shot it. The cinematography is is so wonderfully done uh, and I think that's what allows you to feel uh, just the fact that it's more gritted and grounded it doesn't mean necessarily like it's in your face like with the whole you know trying to be gritty or anything like that it's not that's not what I mean I just mean that it just feels more grounded like it could be happening to you kind of like you could just step into that film because not every day is an MTV music video so I feel like that is is wonderful. I, I'm thinking of watching it again just to have a look at the colour scheme of what they used. And he's in a lot of like Charlie. He's in a lot of like greens and greys and blues, and, um, and that's interesting. And I didn't actually realise that a lot of his friends were wearing red shades. So not all the time, like I said. But yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to have to rewatch it. I think just for that alone. So yeah, that's my review of. Perks of being a wallflower at the moment. Um, what would I, what would I review it as on the spectrum of my actual, you know, rating system? So, as you can tell, <laughs> if you can't already, I have nothing bad to say about this film. Like nothing. They they did such an amazing job with this movie, and from somebody who loves the book and now loves the film. I would highly recommend you see this film. And so my highest rating I can ever give. So the rating system that we talked about last week was obviously the whole thing about, you know, the end of the spectrum is like, it's not even worth, you know, like a pirate copy. 
And then the middle spectrum is kind of like, you know, it's worth renting online or maybe streaming. But then my end spectrum, you know, the highest accolade I could give something is, you know, is it worth paying a cinema ticket? And for this movie, of course, I'm going to say it, you know, it is. It's so worth a cinema ticket. I really, really, really regret not seeing this film in the cinema so much. Like, what was I thinking? Why didn't I saw the trailer? I thought it was awesome, but I just instead slapped it on my watch list when it came on to Netflix. Like, why? Why did I do that? I could have watched this glorious film on the big screen. Like, seriously. But anyway, that's my review. I I highly recommend this movie. And also in the movie, because it's a 90s movie, it's also got some awesome music in it. Highly recommend for the music, the colour, the cast, the subject matter, the fact that it's a brilliant adaptation. Go watch it. It's worth a cinema ticket. That's all I'm saying. So wicked. Uh, Like, so now I'm going to try and move on to the next segment. So the next segment was a bit difficult, actually, because, well, I say difficult. So what did this film remind me of in terms of other films? And of course, the obvious one is, you know, you're going to go to the high school kind of genre of films, aren't you? And I mean, the obvious one is, uh, for me, Breakfast Club, which is 1985. John Hughes both wrote and directed this brilliant teenage coming of age story and it's just such great film and it captures what I love about it and why why you know the perks of being a wallflower reminded me of breakfast club is because breakfast club although breakfast club is a comedy it's also incredibly dark and incredibly gritty at times you'll go very quickly from having a joke to actually having a teenager explain why they almost, you know, considered, you know, taking their life or the fact that they're being bullied or, you know, the pressures of high school or the pressures of their parents and how it's driving them slightly insane. And, and you know, and it, and then you'd switch back again and have some, you know, have some comedy again. And I feel like The Perks of Being a Wallflower is kind of similar on that vein, although I do feel that Perks of Being a Wallflower is so much uh, grounded in a reality, a 90s reality. Whereas, you know, Breakfast Club, I feel it's a bit more poppy. Not, not to an, you know, not to a massive extent, but I think they're similar on the way that they're both f- incredibly funny, but also they have poignant, sad and touching moments. And what makes them both relatable as films is the fact that they're very aware of the adult adolescence experiences they're very aware of you know what they're going through which is actually I think a quote from Breakfast Club <laughs> so you know I, f- I feel like that's what this film reminded me of however this that's not the only thing though very briefly I'm going to talk about something else so going back to adaptations like I said earlier, adaptations, oh my god, they can be so hard to do. So because this one, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, I was so nervous watching it. And then when I finally got to the end of this film and I'm crying and I'm in love with this movie already. And I already know I'm going to watch it again and again and again. You know, another movie that I was really nervous about watching, but then fell in love with, which is also an adaptation. <laughs> Going back and forth here, aren't I? But basically... Uh, you know adaptations you know good adaptations are really hard to come by I think anyway I don't know if anybody else agrees with me but you know it it can be so 
difficult to get somebody to make a film who actually grasps the characters, the themes, and the actual bloody point of the book. It's really hard. I used to work in a bookshop for three years. Like there are some passionate people out there who love their books. And if you make a film, by God, you better do it right. Like these people love these characters and these stories so much. You've got to try and do them justice. Like you can't just whip out a bloody film and not do it justice. Like that's what I'm saying about adaptations. So with that in mind, Another film that this this film reminded me of, Perks Being a Wallflower, it reminded me of another really good ad- adaptation, and it's The Descendants, which is done... Uh, originally, the book was done by Cowie Hart Hemmings, and the book itself, oh my god, it's a, it's, it's a similar kind of vein. It's both incredibly tragic, but incredibly funny and quirky and real, but not, and it's... And it's a wonderful story. And you get to the end and you love these characters and you wish there were sequels. And at the same time, you're so glad she, the author and also the films haven't done a sequel. But the film, like the film really captures like the essence of the book, which is fantastic. That's what you want. So The Descendants, which is 2011, and it has uh, George Clooney, uh, Charlene Woodley, uh, Amara Miller. I don't know if she's related to Ezra, but probably not. And basically, it's an, obviously an adaptation of the the book, uh, The Descendants. And the book is basically about this this guy who lives in one of the Hawaii islands. And his wife is unfortunately, I think she's in an accident and she's in a coma. And he's suddenly in charge of uh, their two daughters, one of them being a teenager. And it's, of course, it's a family going through a really difficult time. Meanwhile, it kind of comes to light that she might have been having an affair. So it's a very, it's a very interesting story. And obviously, you know, I won't spoil it for the rest of you guys, but basically go watch it or go read the book. It's, you know, if you read the book and see the film, I think you'll understand why I think it's a great adaptation. They just capture, they just capture the dad's point of view, George Clooney character's point of view so brilliantly. Like his guilt over questioning his wife when she's in a coma and his curiosity to actually try and understand if, you know, it's true and if it is, what he's going to do with that information. Then of course you have the whole dilemma of, you know, is the wife going to make it? And if they do make it, if she, well, if she does make it, what's going to happen then to their marriage? And then meanwhile, he's got these kids to worry about that he's not normally in charge of all the time, 24 seven. And he doesn't really know how to be there completely for them, especially like, it's not like they've lost their mum yet, which is, so it's a grief, but it's a different type of grief. It's really, it's a fascinating story. It's a really interesting characters in it. And I would highly recommend, I would highly recommend that as a film, as a good adaptation. Obviously, you know, not everybody imagines books the same way as they do onto film. Like, I must admit, like, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, I imagine certain scenes, and I'm not going to lie to you, I really do feel that this film just captured them in a way that I was was just so relieved. (laughs) I was so relieved. It was amazing to actually be like, oh my God, that was in my head, and now it's on the screen. Like, that was just snap amazing so cool 
And I feel like The Descendants is kind of like that. You read it, you get his point of view, and then you kind of watch the film and you just, all the beats and all the things that you are expecting happen in a way that, well, at least for me, how I imagined. And and that is just the biggest kind of wonderful kind of surprise and yet not surprise <laughs> that, that you're getting. Because obviously you're expecting certain things from a film that are in the book, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. So yeah, adaptations. It's all about adaptations in this episode today. So anyway, so that's, those are my two recommends. I mean, obviously Breakfast Club really doesn't need any recommend like recommendation because I, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, it's a bloody classic. It's an 80s iconic teenage movie I highly recommend it. And The Descendants is a brilliant adaptation. Go check it out. And if you get the chance, definitely check out the book as well. And definitely check out Perks of Being a Warflower and the book. I mean, obviously, it's up to you what way you do it around, the book or the film. That's another debate. <laughs> I have a few debates about this with friends, actually. Like, do you read the book first? Do you watch the film first? Like, what ruins it in what way round? Like, I don't know, but I mean, I I read both of these books before I watched both those movies. So I, d I really don't know. I can't explain it to you yet. If uh, reading it, you know, reading the book after the film would ruin it. I have no idea. Uh, maybe I'll do that with The Martian or something because I've watched the film, but I've not read the book. So mm, maybe, maybe we'll do that another day. So yeah, anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, I've been talking an awful lot in this episode and I'm sorry if my voice has gone up and down or uh, seems a bit tired. <clears throat> I think I've been uh, chatting or singing a little bit too long today. So anyway, I want to get to the end here with uh, cinema moments. Obviously, like I said at the beginning, we can discuss whether this is actually what the segment's going to be called uh, on the blog or on, you know, some, some other post another time. So I was trying to think of cinema moments and obviously last week... I had a cinema moment for you, which is more of a rant, <laughs> an event about uh, cinema etiquette uh, last week. Uh, but this week I wanted to do something a little bit different and actually discuss some, <laughs> some really funny moments I've had in the cinema. So this is one of them, okay? So let me just give you a little bit of backstory first. I am a huge Star Wars fan. Obviously I mentioned that in episode one. But the reason I'm a huge Star Wars fan is because my mum showed me the original Star Wars on VHS, which, by the way, we still own. Uh, and that is probably going to be buried with me <laughs> uh, because it's it's part of my identity that probably just, it will never go away. So my mum, she remembers seeing the first Star Wars. She remembers queuing up to go watch it originally. And she's going to kill me for probably mentioning that on this podcast. But at the end of the day, I think my love of film comes directly from my mum. So thank you, mum. Cheers. She's probably regretting it now and the Star Wars stuff because now it's probably takes up a lot of my time. And also it's most of stuff I get excited about and talk about. And sometimes there's only so much you can talk about Star Wars with somebody with, you know, I get it unless you live and breathe it, you know. You can't talk about it 24-7. But anyway, I digress. So this cinema moment is basically my mum obviously introduced me to Star Wars. And before these brand new movies came along and before Disney, you know, bought the rights for Star Wars a couple years ago and decided to make all these brilliantly new movies, uh, 
I remember going to watch, this is going to be so sad, I remember going to watch the prequels. Now, obviously, the prequels, um, as a Star Wars fan and a film fan, I don't consider them the best movies. Uh, I consider the original trilogy, episode four, five, and six, to be the best of the best, in my opinion. And they will always be that way. The prequels, I feel, you know, they... I don't feel they add as much as they, they could have, unfortunately. However, you know, as a Star Wars fan and as a, as a kid, as a time when they came out, I obviously went and saw them in the cinema. And <laughs> this is going to be so funny. Basically, let me set this up. So I remember seeing what I thought was going to be the last Star Wars. And that was in 2005. That was Star Wars 3, uh, or Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. And that was... About a month before my 16th birthday, okay? So my mum, being the awesome person that she is, she basically decided to surprise me. Like, she knew Star Wars was coming out in May, but she just decided to surprise me. And basically, was it after school or something like that? I think it was like sometime after school or after some study club or whatever it was, she said, right, you're going to come with me. We're going to go to Salisbury. I'm going to go into the big theatre and we're just going to go watch a film. Now, she didn't tell me as I as I went to Salisbury or to the theatre, she didn't tell me what we were going to watch. So obviously it was a bit of a guessing game for me. I was hoping it would be Star Wars. I was hoping it would be Revenge of the Sith. And <laughs> I remember, I remember this vividly. When we got into the theatre, we got the tickets, I was literally jumping for joy. I was like, yes, we're going to go see the Star Wars, the last Star Wars, or that's what I thought anyway. And we get into the theatre, we've got the popcorn, we've got, you know, the drinks, all this kind of stuff, the excitement's building. It's a packed theatre, it's in the biggest screen, screen one. And Salisbury has a kind of a nice kind of uh, vibe, old kind of vibe to it, I suppose, because it used to be originally a theatre, I believe. So it's kind of had some old seats in it and it was very kind of rustic looking. Um, but don't let that fool you. It was quite comfortable. And we were sat, <laughs> we were sat in like a, in like a, in the middle of the theatre uh, where there was just a, we could, there was like a walkway in front of our seats and we're sat there. The movie's about to start. And here's the thing, right? So me and my mum, we love Star Wars and mum, at the beginning of the movie at Star Wars, like when we watch it at home, she likes to take the mix sometimes. And at the beginning of every Star Wars movie, there's a scroll of writing that goes up very slowly to explain or set up the movie. And she normally reads that out loud in a very kind of funny voice. And then she, there's like four full stops, you know, to kind of indicate and the story continues kind of thing. And then it just scrolls up. And she always, when she finishes the scroll, she goes and dot, dot, dot dot and I basically in this theater about to watch the last Star Wars or what I thought was the last Star Wars again and she I turn around to her and I say to her please whatever you do don't read this scroll out loud there's me being like a typical teenager being like don't embarrass me in front of all these people and she's like nope fine that's cool completely understand like mum just understood I needed to watch this film fresh from the beginning in the cinema and just enjoy and immerse myself so the film starts <laughs> the film starts this is a really long story and i'm sorry but the film starts 
and you know comes up on the screen with Star Wars and big letters and it goes and then the scroll happens (laughs) and it was so funny because an adult guy an adult gentleman behind us started to read the whole thing out the whole thing like everything and it was so funny because me and mum just looked at each other like <laughs> like this is ridiculous like he's reading it out in the cinema and everybody else is reading it in their heads and I swear to god he was the only person talking out loud it was hysterically funny because it was like he's doing the exact thing that I just told my mum not to do and then what made it even funnier was the fact that like my mum he ended it with dot 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 and I was just like that's it I was I was in hysterics, mum was in hysterics, and meanwhile, this huge battle sequence was happening on the screen. And that's really funny to me that I just remember this guy sat behind me in watching Revenge of the Sith, episode three of Star Wars, reading out this entire scroll, despite the fact I just reprimanded my mum, or warned her at least, like, don't you dare do that, don't. And then this guy did it. I don't know if it was deliberate. I don't know if he heard my heard me mentioning to my mum, like, please don't read it out. But if it was by complete accident or by complete fluke, I tell you what, it made my viewing experience. Like, that was hysterically funny and unplanned. And wherever the guy is, thank you for making that a brilliant memory. Like, it didn't ruin my experience of the film. Granted, I was laughing when really it's quite a serious beginning to that film, but... I was laughing and just enjoying the fact that somebody else, like me and mum, really enjoy and love Star Wars. Like, that, to me, was like, right, yep, that's fine. I'm full. I'm in a, I'm, I'm, I'm in a cinema with loads of other fans. Sweet. Like, it's like coming home. It's awesome. So, yeah, so that's, that's one of my cinema moments. I hope you enjoyed or at least found that funny. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I think mum's going to kill me when she finally listens to this, but we'll see. Uh, she might, I'll try and get her on actually. I think we've had a few cinema moments like that where we've just had some bizarre things happen. Um, but yeah, guys, let me know if you, you know, enjoyed that, you know, enjoyed this episode. I'm going to watch Perks of Being a Wallflower. I'm going to check out Breakfast Club, The Descendants. If you've read any of the books, give us a shout. But also more importantly, you know, if you've got any cinema moments, feel free to, you know, send me a message. I'm on, uh, at the moment, I'm I'm trying to put the blog together, so that's not ready yet. So, unfortunately, there's not a direct line that you can get to me, like a direct line of contact. But uh, at the moment, I have set up this podcast's own Twitter, and so you can find that at Amy Endless. That's at Amy Endless, that's the Twitter account for this podcast that you can find me at. Obviously, if you just search in Twitter, Amy's Endless Watchlist, you'll find that anyway. So, you know, drop us a comment or send us a message, let us know what you think. And yeah, so I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm sorry if I've been talking too long or if my voice has been up and down. I don't know what's going on with it. I think it's feeling just a little bit raw today. But yeah, so thank you and let's talk more movies and hopefully more cinema moments in future. Okay, guys, have a good one.